What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So today I'm going to give a quick breakdown of some news and rumors across the NBA, and then I'll also talk about the U.S. Open, which begins today at the Los Angeles Country Club. I'll give you guys my predictions for that in just a few minutes at the end of the episode. But I'm going to start talking about the Bradley Bill trade rumors, which came out yesterday, a report that Bradley Bill and the Washington Wizards will be looking at some point to trade him if the Wizards do ultimately decide to fully rebuild and send him in another direction and also send the franchise in a full rebuild and completely blow things up. That's definitely a possibility. I think if you look at it, I think it's the best interest of both the franchise of the Washington Wizards and also Bradley Beal as well to trade him. And ultimately, Bradley Beal does have a full no-trade clause, so he can kind of choose where he wants to go. But I think my main issue here with Bradley Beal is that he wasn't the same player over the last two seasons. Averaged 23.2 points per game in each of the last two seasons and played just 90 games over that stretch. All in all, there's a possible 164 games he could have played in over the last two seasons, with both of those seasons being 82 games apiece, and he only played 90 of 164 games. So that's a worry for me. That's a worry for me. Just 90 games in the last two seasons. And when he signed his Supermax deal last summer, I thought, at the end of the day, this was Bill getting paid, getting his money, and I thought at some point, Bill and Washington knew he would be moved at some point. And the main issue with Bill is his availability. Obviously, his scoring did go downhill the last couple seasons. It wasn't the same score the last two seasons as he was in the previous two seasons. But availability is an issue. Just 90 games played in the last two seasons, missing 42 games last season and 32 games this season. That's a lot of missed games. 42 games missed last season, which is more than half the season, and 32 games just under half this season. And if you look at what he was, as a scorer in 2019, 2020, and then in 2020, 2021, those two seasons, in the 2019, 2020 season, he averaged 30.5 points per game. Then in the 2020, 2021 season, he averaged 31.3 points per game. But the following two seasons, averages 23.2 points per game over the last two seasons, missing, as I said, 74 games over the last two seasons. 42 games last year in the 2021, 2022 season. And then in this season, the 2022-2023 season, missing 32 games. And he's turning 30 years old at the end of this month, so he's not getting any younger. And his scoring has gone downhill. And don't get me wrong, he's still a good scorer, and he doesn't really have much around him in Washington. This is a team that was rebuilding and trying to get high draft picks. That's kind of what they're doing right now. They're trying to rebuild. So it wasn't like he had everything around him to win. But still, he wasn't showing up to play because he was injured. And then also, his scoring wasn't the exact same. And he is turning 30 years old, so he's not getting any younger. So his cap hits over the next four seasons, $46 million for this season coming up, this upcoming year, $50 million, $53 million, and then $57 million. And I know a lot of people are talking right now about the Celtics potentially going after Bradley Beal since he's from St. Louis, just like Jason Tatum and their friends, and there were trade talks in the past that the Celtics were interested in him. But I don't think he's the best add to this Celtics lineup. Obviously, yes, offensively, you're a little bit more dangerous considering how good of a score Bradley Beal is. He can give you 30 any given night. But he's just another guy who stays around the perimeter and just stays outside the arc. Same thing with Jalen Brown, same thing with Jason Tatum. Everybody just stands around the arc in that Celtics lineup. So that's my worry with Bradley Beal. I don't think he's the best add to this Celtics lineup. I think the Celtics need a better big man, a center that can play more than Robert Williams since Robert Williams can't really stay healthy. And then also a point guy that can lead the offense and set guys up. And another thing with this Celtics-Bradley Beal situation is that after this coming season, 
you can't have more than two max players on your payroll due to the current, or the new, I should say, CBA. So after this upcoming season, you can't have more than two max players on your payroll. So let's say the Celtics do ultimately pay Jalen Brown like they're saying they want to. And they give him a max contract. And they have Jason Tatum on a max already as well. And then Bradley Bill, if you were to trade for him, that would be three max contracts on the same roster. Meaning, after this upcoming season, you'd have to trade one of those three guys. And that obviously becomes hard. That becomes messy. So not only do I, do I not think it's the best fit on the Celtics, adding Bradley Bill, but also I don't know how it would merge with the payroll. And then obviously, as I said, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Bradley Bill, all three of those guys want to shoot and all three of them want the ball. I don't know if that would be the best add to this Celtics lineup. I think it'd be more beneficial adding a big man for the Celtics rotation. So now I'm going to give some hot takes for the 2023 offseason in the NBA. So obviously, I already talked about Bradley Bale. Another player that's on the trade market is Zion Williamson, former first overall pick to the New Orleans Pelicans. And they may trade him in hopes of landing NBA draft prospect Scoot Henderson. I think Scoot Henderson somehow falls to number three. I think there's a good chance New Orleans trades up with the Portland Trailblazers and Lance Scoot Henderson by trading Zion Williamson to Portland. Portland, I think as of now, and this may be a hot take to some, I think they stay put with Damian Lewis and keep him in Portland. That's the hot take I have for this offseason. I think they stay put with Damian Lewis and keep him as a trailblazer in hopes of moving that third overall pick for a star. Maybe a guy like Zion Williamson. And I think if they were to land a guy like Zion, if you look at this lineup, that's already good as is. I mean, Portland's starting lineup is decent. It's just the issues... They've had his injuries. Obviously, Joseph Nurkic has, has had his injuries. Damian Lewitt has had his injuries. Shaden Chop even had a couple injuries so far in the NBA. Their issues right now are primarily injuries there. And obviously, they don't have the best rotation, the depth-wise on the bench, but their starting lineup is decent. Damian Lewitt at point guard. Anthony Simons at shooting guard. Shaden Chop at small forward. was a top pick in last year's draft out of Kentucky. Power forward Jeremy Grant and then center Joseph Nurkic. That's not a bad starting rotation there, starting lineup. But the issue... Here for the Blazers is obviously injuries and the depth. They don't really have the best depth. And obviously Damian Lillard wants a player around him that he could win with now. So I think maybe they trade a guy like Anthony Simons and the third overall pick for Zion. Or maybe they take the third overall pick in Jeremy Grant and trade him for Zion Williamson. Maybe add in a few draft picks here and there. I think there's a potential chance that Zion Williamson is a potent trailblazer. If ultimately, let's say, Scoot Henderson does fall to three. Which, let's say he doesn't fall to three, maybe there's a chance that New Orleans wants Brandon Miller out of Alabama. They do want a young star to build around, and maybe Zion Williamson isn't that guy for them, considering he's been hurt for a lot of his tenure with the New Orleans Pelicans. He's not a guy you can really trust that he can stay healthy. So there's a chance they trade, Portland that is, trades Jeremy Grant or Anthony Simons or Shaden Shop even with the first overall pick that they have, the third overall pick, their first round pick in this year's draft for Zion Williamson. And maybe add in a few picks here and there. So another hot take I have is that the Knicks will add a big player via trade this offseason. Whether it's Zion Williamson, which I think is a possibility, or Bradley Bill. And I think Zion Williamson to the Knicks would be interesting considering how much the Knicks organization and how much the Knicks fans wanted him coming out of the draft and coming out of college. Obviously didn't land him in the draft lottery. They ended up getting R.J. Barrett the third overall pick. Zion goes first to the New Orleans Pelicans. But I don't think the Pels do it. I don't think the Pels will send Zion to the Knicks, even though I think it'd be interesting. And that's because the Knicks don't have a top pick in this year's draft. And that's ultimately what 
the New Orleans Pelicans would trade Zion for. They want a top pick in this year's draft. But maybe a package of Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly, and any of their future draft picks of the, New, of the New York Knicks could land a guy like Zion. And if you look at the Knicks' draft picks over the next few years, they have no first-round picks in this year's draft, no draft picks in general, actually, in the 2023 draft. But next year, they have Washington's first-round pick in the 2024 draft, Detroit's pick in the 2024 draft, Dallas's first-round pick in the 2024 draft, and their own, the Knicks' own pick in the 2024 draft. So they have four first-round picks in next year's draft in 2024. Washington, Detroit, Dallas, and the Knicks' own pick. So including all four of those first-round picks in next year's draft, the Knicks also have all of their own first-round picks from 2024 to 2029. So they do have the draft capital there, and some of the role players some young, young button stars there, a guy like Emmanuel Quickly, to try to make a trade and, and land a big piece. That's why I think they could be in on Bradley Beal or Zion Williamson to try to pair up with Julius Randle, to try to pair up with Jalen Brunson. They do have the ability to do that with those draft picks. So we'll see what happens with the Knicks, but I do think they go after a big star. And I didn't even mention Julius Randle being in trade talks, which there weren't really any reports of that, but there's definitely a chance they move on from a guy like Julius Randle as well, who has a $28 million cap hit this upcoming season, 30 the year after that, and then has a player option in the 2025-2026 season for $32 million. He's a free agent in 2026 offseason. So we'll see what happens. I do think there's a chance they could trade a guy like Julius Randle to try to land another stop, but... I think as of now, I think they keep Randall and keep Brunson together and then maybe try to add another star, whether it's trading RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, or Mitchell Robinson, just to add another piece to their rotation. And this is a team that made a decent run this year in the postseason. They took out the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that I thought was one of the best teams in the NBA. They took them out in the first round. So the Knicks, they're not too far off, but I do think they go add another star in this offseason. Another hot take I have, I think Jalen Brown requests a trade this offseason. I feel like he's unhappy in Boston. And obviously, he's going to lose a lot of money in the process considering he could get a Supermax deal from the Celtics this offseason. And that Supermax deal would be five years at $295 million. Five years at $295 million. And overall, in those five years, it'd be $50 million, $54 million, $58 million, $62 million, and $66 million. The last year of that deal would be the 2028-2029 season where it makes $66 million. So overall, it would be five years at $290 million is what it would be roughly, what the Supermax would be for him. Making just about $66 million in his last season, which would be obviously a lot of money, but at the end of the day, that's what the NBA is trending towards. You give everybody a max deal. And your young talent, you give Supermax deals to. It's just what the NBA is trending towards. But they have a decision to make with Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown is upset with the Celtics, considering he's always in trade talks every single year. And this summer won't be any different. This won't be anything different this summer. I'm sure he'll be in a fair share amount of trade talks this summer as well. Whether it was the Kevin Durant trade talks last offseason, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard three or four years ago, was in Jimmy Butler trade talks at one point as well, two or three years ago now. He's always in trade talks. And then also, you listen to Boston Sports Radio, a lot of people want Jalen Brown out of Boston. And a lot of people I know want Jalen Brown gone. But I think people are cutting the cord too quick on Jalen Brown. Yes, he had a poor playoff series and had a very bad Game 7 performance against Miami. But Jason Tatum shouldn't get a get-out-of-jail-free pass for how poor he played in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. Well, he had the injury. Well, yeah, he was hurt in Game 7. I get that. He had a poor Game 7, and you can maybe blame the injury for that. But you can't blame 
the injury that happened in Game 7, how poor he played before that. He didn't play great in the playoffs really at all. I know he had a big Game 7 performance against Philly, but that series shouldn't go seven games if Jason Tatum was playing up to the ability that most Boston sports fans see him at. So I don't think Jalen Brown was the main reason the Celtics lost that series against Miami. Obviously, he's a scapegoat for having a bad Game 7, but if Jason Tatum plays well that series, the entire series, just like Jalen Brown played well that whole series, that doesn't go seven games. The Celtics looked at Miami and just thought, oh, we'll win this series. And then in a blink, they're down 3-0 because they second-guessed that Miami Heat team and underestimated them. So that's the issue. And I think ultimately, I think Jalen Brown's unhappy in Boston, even though he'd be throwing out a lot of money by choosing to be traded. I think that's ultimately a possibility. Maybe he waits to sign that Supermax deal and then request a trade. But I think, I think there is a chance Jalen Brown is no longer Boston Celtic at some point in the near future, whether it's this summer or even at the end of next season. That would be obviously a heavy trade, though, considering how much money he'll be making. It would be tough to make the money work in that deal if he is traded after the Supermax deal does kick in. Another potential trade that I see happening is the Chicago Bulls either trading DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. Things didn't really go well for Chicago this past season, and partly was because Lonzo Ball missed a good amount of the season with a knee injury, a knee injury that no one really knows the future of Lonzo Ball and how healthy he'll be. Obviously, that's a tough injury considering that that was a team that has the talent. Nikola Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball. It's a pretty good four right there. And then you also add in a guy like Alex Caruso as well in free agency last year. But at the end of the day, I think this team could blow it up and could ultimately trade either DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. And I think at the end of the day, I think the Celtics could be in trade talks there. I think if Jalen Brown does ultimately want out, I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics are looking at a guy like Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. Once again, a shooting guard, small forward, similar to Bradley Bale, but still could definitely add to that Celtics offense regardless. I mean, Bradley Bale would definitely add to the Celtics offense as well. Does it make the Celtics better offensively on paper? 100% if you add Bradley Bale, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, any of those guys. But it depends on what you're giving up. Are you giving up Jalen Brown? Are you giving up Malcolm Brogdon in draft picks? Are you giving up Marcus Smart in draft picks? Are you giving up Derek White in draft picks? So we'll see what happens. But I do think there's a chance DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine is traded by Chicago. And then my last hot take for now, which I'll have another episode where I'm giving more hot takes. These are just the ones that came to my head this morning. I think the Miami Heat or Los Angeles Lakers land Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving will be out of Dallas. I think he wants to leave the Mavericks despite reports that he wants to team up with LeBron James again and have him be on the Mavericks with Luka Doncic. I don't think Luka and Kyrie are a great match. That's why I think at the end of the day, Kyrie will be leaving Dallas. I think he'll be going on his own as, as a free agent. I mean, he can choose wherever he wants to go. And I think he ends up in Miami with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Todd Lajero or goes to the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. As to Miami... I think whether they add a guy like Kyrie Irving or another potential star, I think they're going to be getting a big player this offseason. Whether it's landing a guy like Zion Williamson or Bradley Beal, I think they will definitely be in the market for a big name. Like reports have said over the past few days, Brian Windhorst of ESPN said it a few days ago, he thinks Miami is in the market for a big player, and I agree with him. I think they'll be getting a big player this offseason. And they've been shopping Kyle Lowry. They offered Kyle Lowry in picks to the Washington Wizards for Bradley Beal. There are also some other reports that Tobias Harris and picks were offered by the Philadelphia 76ers for 
Bradley Bale. And then there was also another report that the Bucks offered Chris Middleton in draft picks to try to land Bradley Bale. I think ultimately that's the most enticing deal there is Chris Middleton in draft picks for the Washington Wizards. Because you could take Chris Middleton on an expiring contract one year and then trade him at the trade deadline if you wanted to and get even more in return maybe to a team that's needy at the trade deadline. But as for Miami, I do think they add a big play this offseason. I think they want to add around Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and I still think they want to keep Tyler Hero. So it would be interesting to see what they do this offseason and how they add to that roster. Another potential candidate for them would be Chris Paul. I know there are reports right now that Phoenix is not too sure what they're going to do with Chris Paul, whether or not they trade him or whether or not they waive him. If Chris Paul is ultimately a free agent, you don't have to give up anything to get him. I'd expect Miami to be in the market and go and get him and want him. And same thing with the Lakers. I'm sure they'll be in the market as well for Chris Paul if he were to clear waivers after being, let's say, cut by Phoenix at the end of the month, if that's ultimately what they choose to do. But they could ultimately trade him too. There is obviously that avenue as well for Phoenix. And they could bring him back. Wouldn't be surprised with that either. So the last thing I'm going to talk about is the U.S. Open, which begins today at the Los Angeles Country Club in L.A. It's the 123rd U.S. Open. Last year, the U.S. Open was at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, where Matt Fitzpatrick won and ultimately took home the title. As for this year, my predictions, which won't be too long, it'll be pretty quick. I like Rory McIlroy to finish top five. I like Victor Hovland to come in second. And I like Max Homa to come in first. Home is a 32-year-old golfer from Burbank, California, went to UCAL, and now this is taking place, as I said, at the LA Country Club. Being back in California's home state, I think it brings him some luck. I think he's going to want to win this one, obviously, considering it's on his home turf. He hasn't really performed too well in the last big tournaments, a few that I'm going to mention, the PGA Championship and the Masters. He was plus nine in the PGA Championship and plus six at the Masters. So probably is a hot take to some, but I do think he could heat up and potentially win the U.S. Open this year. As for some other guys, I like Roy McIlroy, as I said, to finish top five. I like Victor Hovland to have a very good tournament. I like him to finish second. And as for a guy to watch out for, Seamus Power, a guy that I always pick to finish top 10, an Irish golfer that I became a fan of last year watching him on TV at the U.S. Open last year in Brookline. I like Seamus Power to finish top 10. And one interesting storyline I want to mention before closing is Phil Mickelson, who is seeking a U.S. Open win, which would give him a career Grand Slam. So that's one interesting storyline to watch out for and ultimately is a long shot, not going to be a favorite in anybody's eyes. He does have a tough road ahead to try to beat guys like Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth. He does have a tough road to try to get there, but it would be an interesting storyline to watch out for, obviously, over the next four days. So anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.